test, 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 test. Wait, wait. Um, we are on the last week of the fast. <laughs> five more days, five more mornings, and then uh, home stretch to the weekend. So all you have to, my strategy, you know, over the years, you just have to make it to Wednesday. And then from Wednesday, you just have to make it to the weekend, Friday. And then Friday, you're almost there. Um, before we get started, a uh, quick happy birthday to Janice and Christine. Yay! Happy birthday! <laughs> and welcome back! <laughs> happy birthday, happy birthday to Janice and Christine. Uh, to all our January uh, birthdays, the first three weeks, you guys, huge sacrifice coming to SP. You, you probably didn't know when you came to SP <laughs> that we'd be doing this. Um, but uh, we'll celebrate with you guys proper uh, after the fast. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, we're going to continue. Uh, I left off last Friday on talking about the covenants. Um, covenants are significant. In verse 9, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. So God makes this promise, this commitment to Noah and to all mankind. And in verse 11, he says, I will never again will I, will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And as a sign and as a mark of that covenant, of that promise, is the sign of the rainbow. And I reminded you that um, judgment would fall on all mankind again, the ultimate price for God's righteousness. But it wouldn't be pointed at mankind next time. It was a foreshadowing and a, a, a prophecy, a, a glimpse of what would come. And I mentioned that uh, there's a children's book uh, where it explains this covenant very simply. And the rainbow is kind of like a bow and arrow, but it's pointed, if you know, like a bow and arrow, <clears throat> but the bow is pointed at heaven. And so the next time that judgment would come on man, it would actually be pointed at heaven, and the ultimate price would be paid by Jesus. And that's why we praise the name of Jesus. That's why all throughout scriptures, Old Testament, all the things in our lives, we always choose in belief to eat from the tree of life, which is Christ on the cross, and we proclaim that God is good. So we come on Sundays and we sing worship songs, God is good, you know, you've never let me down. We, we sing songs like that, right? And, and, and I know many of us are thinking, no, but there are times where I feel like I've been let down. <clears throat> there are times where, where life has been difficult. And, and we proclaim that God is good, not because of the perfect circumstances, not because things are going well in our life. We proclaim that God is good because even if things are difficult in our life, God has proven all throughout the scriptures and has paid the ultimate price. And so we proclaim God's goodness. God's goodness is fact, is truth. He's proven it, regardless of our circumstances and situations. That's why on any given Sunday we come up and we sing. No matter how bad your week was, we say God is good. right? And the church responds all the time. All the time. Once and for all, God has proved. Um, so when you talk about covenants, you know it can get a little legalistic. It can get a little... Boring, but but let me let me explain to you the importance. Uh, the Noahic covenant is the first covenant 
of five covenants laid out in the scriptures. And if you take each covenant, starting with the Noahic covenant, uh, Abrahamic covenant, Davidic covenant, all the way up until Jesus comes, it's basically like connecting the dots. You guys remember as kids, yeah, we would draw something and go to one to two, and you're not sure what it's making out, and you go to three and four, and you, you keep going all the way, and it gets harder towards the end. But when you take a look at it, it's a, it's a picture of a dolphin or, or, or some sort of animal, right? You guys remember that? The covenant serves as connecting the dots. The whole redemptive narrative, the whole salvation narrative is synonymous with the covenants. As you see the covenants being laid out and, and uh, uh, come to fruition, you'll see the coming of Christ. And so this is the first one. Um, what, what's, what, what's the whole point of a covenant? Why, why does God go into legalistic uh, 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 you know, writing, you know, covenant? Up until now, God has given signs. He's given some symbolism of what is to come, Jesus, through the animal sacrifice and, and the shedding of a first sacrifice of blood by covering Adam and Eve with garments, right? That's foreshadowing of what would come in Christ. Up until now, God has said, you know, uh, through this first enmity between the serpent and the woman or man, and through the child of Eve, uh, uh, you know, foreshadowing of the Messiah coming to defeat sin and death once and for all, and the, and the serpent would bite the heel of the uh, of the of, of the woman, uh, symbolizing the crucifixion and and the temporary death of Christ and resurrection. Um, so when when you are in a relationship, whether it's marriage, marriage relationship, whether it's a friendship relationship, uh, consider in your workplaces. Uh, this happens a lot in counseling. Uh, myself as a pastor. Um, which, which if you haven't figured out, I'm, I'm not very good at. I, I actually, I know some pastors who are like, you know, they intentionally be like, you know, I'm not good at counseling, you know, and so don't come to me, you know, come to my wife. I, you know, I actually thought I was good at it. And so I'd be like, hey guys, come to me, only to find out that I'm not good at it. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm trying to get better. I'm, I'm learning as I go. Um, but here's the point. When do you see a counselor? Right? You, let, let's say Charles and I, we, we have a, a relationship. We've known each other for seven years now. And let's say in the beginning of those years, there's great trust. There's great relationship. We're doing ministry together. Amen? Amen. And still going strong. Amen. Okay? <laughs> let's say, let's say um, you know, Charles, uh, uh, you know, okay, I'll say, let's say I did something. Let's say I went to Charles's house and, and I said something about his coffee. You know, I say, oh man, Charles, your coffee's really good. But you should really try mine. <laughs> um, it, it's good, but you know, try this and try that. And over a series of exchanges, um, for whatever reason, just, just follow me, for whatever reason, a, a seed gets planted in Charles's head, totally unintentional, right? Love this brother, loves me, that he thinks, somehow he thinks that I'm better than him, right? And that I don't, I don't, I don't value him, right? And every, you know, every time I crack a joke about coffee, um, over a period of time, that that hairline, that 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 seed or or thought that's planted, uh, uh, if not if not addressed, if if allowed to fester, um, over a period of time and communications and instances, then there's a break in trust. I'm sure that you guys are all have been through something like this, where you've known someone 
And then after a period of time, things are okay, but you know, communication is not that great. And as things go on, you begin to doubt. You begin to seriously lack trust. You know, in a, in a, in a, in a deeper relationship, let me say it another way, once, once trust is broken, then communication is the next thing to go, right? Once you have zero trust, zero trust in an individual, communication is broken. Communication is hard. You start second guessing, third guessing, fourth, you don't know what this person is saying. You don't know the message behind the message. You need an interpreter, right? You have to check two times, three times, four times. And when trust is broken and communicate, so, so you figure out, you're, you're talking over each other. No one's really hearing one another. There's no real communication being had. And when things get really bad, trust is broken, communication is broken, then what happens, right? Then you need what? You need a mediator. You need someone neutral. You need someone in the middle. You need someone that you can trust to convey. This is what I'm saying. So what I hear you saying is, so that's why in a relationship, when someone says something, you have to say it back to them two or three times. What I hear you saying is that some of the most difficult conversations. What I hear you saying is this, and you unpack it. Is that what you mean? And it gives the person the opportunity, well, yeah, that's kind of what, but also, and then it gives an opportunity. I saw this uh, meme that when a woman, like when you say something to a woman and, and the woman says, what? They're not actually asking you about what you said. They're actually giving you an opportunity to change what you said. I thought that was quite funny. Um, they heard you clearly. They're not, they're, not, they're not asking you to repeat what you said. They're giving you a chance to change what you said. I thought that was quite funny. Um, and, and Andy says what to me a lot. And I have to think a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I meant. Um, and so communication is vital. And so we know whether in a work relationship, right? When trust has been broken and when there's certain questions of activities, then you bring a mediator, right? A third person. You know, when, when words cannot be trusted on you know, face value, then you need a third party. And, and that helps to do that. And so God, knowing that over time, over time, because he's created us, because he's given us free will, knowing that over time that we would have doubts, knowing over time that we might question, that we might question the goodness of God because of certain judgments, because of certain consequences, he brings a covenant. He brings a promise. Covenants are a means by which we relate to God. So covenants are pointing us towards what is to come, Jesus. Does that make sense? So God says he loves us. God says he has a purpose and a plan. God says he's going to bring redemption. But we don't see that purpose and plan realized. And so we start to question God. God, are you good? God, are you trustworthy? God, I'm not sure. And so God, knowing that, he starts planting these covenants, assurances, places that would remind us that God is good that God's promises will be fulfilled. And then ultimately, you know, the ultimate covenant keeper or the ultimate promise fulfilled in Christ. Now, whenever in life, communication or trust with us breaks down with God on our part, not on his part. 
Something happens. You lose your job. Something happens. Your health deteriorates. Something happens, right? And, and, and trust is broken on our part. I'm not sure if God cares for me. I know he cares for this person and that person, but certain things have been allowed to happen. And so trust was broken in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, I'm not sure if God is trustworthy. You know, why did he say we can't eat from this? And so they take matters and actions into their own hands. And then ultimate trust is broken and, 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 and breached. And so the cross is the place. The Hebrew says that Jesus is our mediator, our high priest. He's the one we go to. Whenever we feel like, I'm not sure if God is there. I'm not sure if, you know, if I can trust God with this, my finances, my relationships. Christ is the mediator. Christ is that covenant. Christ is that place where we remember and can say, indeed, God does love us. Um, covenants point to something greater. And so the first covenant, the Noahic covenant of the rainbow pointing towards heaven. Um, through the covenants, you see a blueprint. So when you just talk about covenants and you, you know, periodically just kind of pop them out, you know, not so exciting. But when you realize, as you read the Old Testament, it's, it's a map, it's a blueprint of ultimately that points towards Jesus. And you realize through the covenants, and you realize through the history of Israel, and you realize through the teachings that there is a divine architect, that there is a divine plan that God has for our redemption to bring him in, to bring us back into the family. Um, and each covenant provides further divine assurances. In other words, God has a plan. God has a plan. And it's very detailed. And it's very purpose. And his purpose is to bring us back in. Remember, a covenant is a solemn commitment guaranteeing promises and obligations undertaken by one or both parties, sealed with an oath. It's basically a contract. It's basically God's word. Covenant is one of the most important theological ideas. Like I said, it points everything to Jesus. And uh, when you connect all the dots, we realize that God loves us. When you, we're not going to, I don't think we'll get into it in our uh, uh, 21 day fast uh, with five days left. Um, but God makes these covenants. God makes this deal, right? Uh, with mankind and us. Um, he makes a covenant later in the scriptures with Abraham. And back in, in ancient practices in those times, they didn't have contracts where you sign with a pen. Um, what they had was a practice, and you find this in other historical writings, uh, practices in that time, even outside of Israel, culturally speaking. And so what they would do is they would take an animal, right? Lifeblood, remember? And they would cut these animals in half. Uh, and scriptures gives us, gives us an account where God literally cuts a deal with Abraham, makes a covenant. This is the second covenant. And he takes these animals, birds, and, and, and cuts them and, and sprinkles the blood and then sets them aside. And how they made contracts back then, legally binding, was that each party of the contract, both sides of the party, would have to then walk through the middle of these cut animals. Does that make sense? And so they would, you know, they would say, okay, we make a deal. Here's a covenant. You follow and obey, and I will bless you, and I'll bring a redemptive plan. Okay, Abraham, I make a promise. You know, through you and through your sons, blessings to all the nations, right? And so what's supposed to happen between two people is one person walks around ceremonially through 
the cut animals, and then the other person walks around through the cut animals. And what, what it symbolizes is this, is that we are making a contract. We are making a promise to one another. We are making a commitment. And if either one of us breaks this commitment, then the idea is that you are going to become, that you, the, the, the debt, the payment, uh, the consequence is that you will be, it's basically it's a, it's a blood oath. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, you know, your life, you're putting your life in this commitment. And if you break this commitment, then you symbolically are going to become like this. You're dead meat. You know, you'll, be, you'll be cut in two kind of a thing. And, and that was an oath. That was how you knew that you made a deal with one another. So God takes this practice you know, in, a, in a language, in a context, in a culture that Abraham understands and says, I'm going to cut a deal with you. Literally, a contract, a covenant. But if you look in Genesis and you look at what happens next, the scriptures tells us that this cloud comes and Abraham actually falls asleep. You guys remember that? Abraham falls into a deep sleep. And then when he wakes up and comes to his senses, he realizes that there was a smoldering like fire and the, and the edges of the animals that were cut and this pathway was smoldered and burnt and there was this smoke coming through. And the covenant and the, and the, and the contract had been signed. And what that's saying is, see, what's supposed to happen is two people are supposed to make that commitment. And if either one breaches, you know, you, you, know, you, you lose out. There's consequences. Well, obviously, we both know, right, in hindsight and in our own lives, dude, that's a bad deal. Man is going to fail, right? The, the consequence for them is that they're going to have to pay the ultimate price in judgment. And so God, knowing that what, what, what this symbolizes in Genesis in Abraham where, uh, where he falls into sleep and God walks through, essentially that smoldering, you know, God is a fire by day and a, and a, and a, a, cloud of, a pillar of cloud by night. What that symbolizes is that, that, Jesus, that God took the whole consequence of that contract upon himself. He's the guarantor. He's basically saying, I guarantee that this contract will come to fruition. He puts man aside and he walks through that contract. And he says, if this contract is broken, either by me or you, this is what has to happen. And we all know that man is the one who breaches and breaks the contract. And so God is basically saying, the whole debt, the whole consequence of this contract is bore on myself. Even if you break this contract, I promise that I will not break this contract. And it was God symbolizing that the full brunt and weight of this legal binding contract is upon himself, that even if we are unfaithful, that God will be faithful. Isn't that incredible? And these are the covenants that are laid out. And these are covenants, that the, the master blueprint, that ultimately point to Christ our Savior. And ultimately Jesus, God incarnate, uh, 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 would come and pay that final contract debt on the cross. And so covenants are... When you really study them, they're really fascinating. You know, imagine an architect going to like South America or something and discovering a, a, a hidden civilization, right? As a believer, you know, and, and you've grown up in Sunday school and, and, you know, basics and growing in Christ. These are all just fundamental. Fun but as you get deeper into the scriptures, I mean, the scriptures come to life. The, the covenants are like, are like these blueprints, are like these hidden messages, you know, all throughout scriptures. And when you put them together... They depict and come together and you're able to clearly find this map and this road that God has intended, this message that he never wants us to forget, that he loves us, that he's paid the full price to bring us back into his home. Amen. Uh, let's have the worship come up and let's respond. And so let's come and uh, give praise and thanksgiving to Jesus. And um, as he came, as God took that contract, as God took the brunt of the consequences of a breach in that contract,
We were supposed to walk that and make that commitment, but even when we failed, God took it upon himself. So let's respond and give praise to Jesus for this.